Hi everyone, you are listening to LD Spotlight, a podcast about learning and development brought to you by Nifty Learning. I'm your host, Liz Stefan, and together we're here to learn about LD. Hi Lavinia, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Lavinia Mehedinsu is People Experience Manager at EMAG and co-founder and curator of content at Offbeat. Welcome. Hello there. Today, I would like us to tackle, I believe, one of your favorite topics in learning and development, or more recently, one of the topics that you really like, which is nudges. What are nudges? What purpose do they serve? From what I know and what I've read is that for a certain period of time, we thought that uh, as humans, we are very rational. Right now, just saying that feels weird, you know, because in more recent years, all kinds of researchers have discovered that uh, that's not true. And the most interesting one, let's say, is Daniel Kahneman's book on uh, System 1 and System 2, where uh, System 1 is the lazier one and uh, System 2 requires a lot of cognitive power which as humans, we don't actually have, unfortunately. So we usually make decisions with system one, which is really biased. And as I was mentioning, really lazy. And it won't help us make the best decisions for ourselves. So I think in the last 10 years, there were some really uh, smart and cool people which came up with this tool, Nudges, which helps behavior scientists to basically redesign decision-making environments to help people make the best decisions for themselves. So yeah, in a nutshell, this is what nudges are. How do they sit in the context of learning and development, let's say compared to developing skills or competencies? How do nudges contribute to learning and development? Yeah, if you think about it, we have a certain responsibility towards behavior change. And one example that comes to mind often is helping people provide more feedback or ask for feedback or helping managers have one-on-ones and so on. So there are definitely many behaviors we should change. And from my experience, unfortunately, we tend to go towards training as the solution to behavior change as well. And from what I've learned in the past years is it's not effective, you know, and nudges can be a tool in our toolbox to help sustain those behavior to change. If I remember correctly, I think I saw somewhere uh, something about For example, if you want to live a healthier life or drink more water, the best thing you can do is just put water in your path, right? This is a kind of nudge, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Can you think of a couple more examples, maybe in the L&D space to specifically help change a behavior that's related to, let's say, work? I'm just going to give another example to have a healthier life, I guess. Because I've read it in the book called actually Nudge and I found it really, really interesting. It was about this school where what they've seen is that kids were eating junk food. So what they did actually is put healthier food in front of the shelves, you know, so that people will reach healthy food easier and put the junk food in the back. So 
they would make it a challenge actually to reach the junk food. So yeah, your example is definitely also applicable in the real life. When it comes to organizational environments, I would definitely suggest to everyone who's listening to go over humu.com, which is, in my opinion, an amazing company. The CEO of the company is Laszlo Bok, the former VP of people at Google. And yeah, they are doing an amazing job using nudges in different types of situations. And they have some examples. Most of them recently are focused on the hybrid workplace because some of us are experiencing that. And they can see actual nudges for different types of behavior change they might need in their organizations as well. Okay, thank you for that suggestion. How long does it take to form a new habit or to change behavior? What's the science behind it? Well, <laughs> my answer might disappoint. <laughs> I recently read this research paper that actually blew my mind because probably I've heard from other people or read in books that there are certain number of days in which you can change a behavior or form a habit. And this research paper said that that's false. <laughs> so you won't start running if you run for 30 days each day, you know? And yeah, that's definitely disappointing, <laughs> but it makes sense if you think about it because different habits are basically different. So some are more complex, some are more easy to do, and it's just about how long it takes to make the behavior automatic because we all know that that's what habits are. They are these automatic things you do where you don't actually employ system two we were just talking about. You're doing everything or most of the job with system one. So yeah, there is no answer to that or no answer that I know about. And just reading about this, it all comes down to this, that there might not be a definitive number of days, weeks or months in which you form a habit. So however long it takes you, that's how long it takes for the behavior to become automatic and not needing willpower to be executed. Yeah, or not that much willpower. Uh, yes, it is a bit disappointing. I was hoping that there would be a um, graduation party. <laughs> okay, now knowing that it takes however long it takes, that means that's quite an extended period of nudges. And if you're targeting multiple types of behavior that you want to change, you would end up throwing nudges at your learner all the time. How many nudges are too many? When is a person overwhelmed by nudges? Nudges are not demanding your attention, for example. They might be so subtle that you don't even register them. Actually, that's most of their purpose, you know, because you just do the thing that benefits you without thinking about it. So some nudges won't even register in your long-term memory or working memory. But if we're talking about written nudges, for example, what Humu does, my guess is that it's a lot about how personalized the nudges are. If you know the need of someone, that they are in the right context, in the right state of mind, and you send them a nudge, 
it might actually be beneficial and they might receive it in a well open and positive way. But if you just throw nudges at everyone, that's probably not nudging. But yeah, if you just send over these emails to everyone, that might definitely not work and not be effective for your purposes. So first of all, personalize. If you're thinking about sending nudges, use various data points to make sure that whatever you're sending makes sense to the one you're trying to help change behaviors. And the second thing, I guess it's about iterating and learning from the data you have and decide based on data how many nudges will be overwhelming for your learners. Okay, and we somehow always end up in this area of measurement. How do you measure the impact of a nudge campaign? In terms of L&D, how do you know if nudges are the thing that contributed to the behavior change? I don't know the definitive answer to that question, honestly. I haven't studied nudges that profoundly yet. But from my empirical experience, I would say that if there are these nudges that you know that by default as an HR team, you are measuring, let's say the behaviors you're measuring in your engagement survey or in your 360 feedback, you know, you can look at those data points. And maybe if you have this cohort of people you've been nudging, and if you see any type of change in their behavior, you could actually go to them and maybe ask them what benefited them to make that behavior change and see if nudging was helpful or not. But we're talking here about nudges that you can actually register with your rational mind because they might be aware of them. But if we're talking about subtle nudges, and most of them, I might say that they are subtle nudges. It might be harder to measure, but yeah, my answer is not definitive. Maybe we can do this another time talking about uh, nudges and nudges measurement after I learn a bit more about it. Okay. Would you say that nudges are the most effective method to encourage behavior change out of all the L&D methods? They are definitely more effective than training. <laughs> Again, I can't say if this is the most impactful method. I think that together with other methods, communities of practice and knowledge sharing sessions and one-on-ones and coaches and so on, they might form this toolkit for impactful behavior change. Honestly, I've come to realize that maybe just one method won't have a definitive impact on what you're trying to do. But again, if you're building this toolbox for yourself and you learn how to personalize it for your learner's needs, that might come in need, you know. Okay, but here's a tough one. It sounds to me like putting in place a nudges mechanism is very energy intensive, time intensive, and so on. It also sounds to me like the science behind it is quite clear on the fact that if you incentivize people to not make too much of an effort to do something, then they adopt that behavior much more easily. And it becomes ingrained in their new personality, let's say. How do you establish the payoff? If it's so energy intensive, 
but it's kind of hard to measure. How do you build a case to create a not just campaign, to allocate the time needed to create a proper campaign? I would say that it comes down to experimenting a lot with this and just get those results out there in your business case. And you can start with something small, honestly, because yeah, some nudges are time intensive and energy intensive, but others might not be, you know, it depends on how creative you are as well. One example I have, which is actually really good for not energy intensive nudges, is that at some point we realize that we're going to start working hybrid. This is a decision of our organization and that some people will be in the office and some people will be at home. And how can we help those in the office not forget that they might add those at home in meetings? And we thought of a very simple nudge, just place all kinds of fun stickers in the meeting rooms with a simple sentence. Don't forget to invite or to add people from home in a meeting if you know they should be there. So that's actually quite easy if you think about it. So... Yeah, maybe piggyback on those examples and see if those more not so time intensive nudges work and are impactful and add those to your business case for more time intensive nudges, which are mostly those who require a lot of personalization and a lot of data. Okay, very interesting. Can we draw a conclusion, an overall conclusion about nudges for today's episode to kickstart this uh, nudges journey, let's say, in your organization? Right now, what I, I can think about is don't forget that first part of your job as an L&D is behavior change. Don't forget that people are not rational when it comes to performing certain behaviors or making some decisions. And don't forget that nudges are this tool that could help you redesign the environment in which people perform certain actions and decisions, and they can help you guide them towards the solution that's effective for them. Thank you so much, Lavinia. Very insightful conversation. I, for one, uh, I guess, busted some myths that I had about behavior change. As always, a very, very good opportunity to learn when I talk to you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for having me again. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been another episode of LD Spotlight. If you'd like to get in touch and join the conversation, write to me at liz at niftylearning.io or connect with me on LinkedIn at Liz Stefan. Have a productive week, everyone. <laughs>